Welcome to Transcendence Cinema. Welcome back to Transcendence Cinema. I'm your host, Greg, your local metalhead. And with me is... Uh, Victor Martin. <laughs> I'm just going to go with it. I'm gonna go. All right, that's good. And I decided to do Skinamarink because it came across my radar and you are into super indie experimental films and I thought it would be a fun movie to talk about. Yeah. Um, so have you heard of this film previous to selecting it or like, um, I guess finding it. So like I, um, I think I said on the last podcast, there was a, a guy made a list of 10 movies that made you, that tricked you into thinking they were good when they were really not. That's right. And this was on it. And when he was explaining it, I was like, that actually sounds like an interesting movie. So I started mm-hmm. like doing a little bit of research. And the more I learned, I'm like, this sounds like something Victor would watch. So, yeah, it was something that was on my radar for a while. Um, I got to say, I'm, I'm a little bit bummed that I missed this in the theater. That's what a lot of people said. They said it's a different experience in the theater, which I can imagine. What did you, uh, you, you want to get right into it? So I have to say I'm not the biggest horror guy. Mm-hmm. I'm very like picky about horror. Um, this one, I feel like it had a lot of potential. It had a lot of those things that I like about horror, like having me on the edge of my seat and not really explaining to me, hiding things like in the dark or whatever. Mm-hmm. And so I was fascinated by the film, but at the same time, I don't think it needs to be a whole film. <laughs> yeah. The hour and 40 minute runtime. It's like, uh, it's, it's hardly justified. <laughs> yes. Yeah. It, it was almost like testing my patience. <laughs> I, yeah. Yeah. I kind of, I feel that in a way too. I think um, it's to a point where it's like, it's kind of shown its hand mm-hmm. and there's only so much it can do. Uh, it's I don't know <laughs> an hour and 40 is a little bit too much for this yeah I have to say though I do have to give a shout out to the director the writer the guy that made this like he's really stepping outside of the box and he's trying something new and I would rather watch this than a new uh, comic book movie those like paint by number movies like this mm-hmm. is experimental he's trying something new he's trying something different did it work for me Mostly not, but I'd rather watch this than that. So I can say that much. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I was just so surprised by the fact that this did come out in theaters. And that's what is so awesome. It's like, you know, we have all these huge budget films and huge conglomerate Disney, you know, basically owning the box office. But then you get these kind of films that mm-hmm. are experimental. That are also horror and it's such a good pairing. I feel it's hard to pull off. And clearly this film is like writing that fine line between just being fucking boring as hell. And also like really scary. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, I was immediately struck by how the images were so grainy. And so like the composition of the shots was just, I've never seen anything like it. A film shot like this. It was, I mean, the angles were, um, hardly did they ever capture a full space. 
mm-hmm. was like the corner of a ceiling or, you know, part of a floor with the TV flickering onto it. Um, you hardly ever saw the kids. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, when he would show the kids and it was just their feet, like that creeped me out more than anything. Like mm-hmm. if you showed the kids, it would be like nothing to me, but just showing like their legs and feet that like had that creep factor for me. It did. It added a level of ambiguity. And mm-hmm. personally, I actually like really liked this movie. Um, I thought it was great. Um, I think the way it captures the atmosphere is pretty excellent. Um, you know, the, like I said, the grain, the darkness, just the eeriness of the whole thing, I think was really well done. Even if it does get a little tired by the end of it. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I just, to see the sort of like liminal horror on full display, uh, I think that's just, I don't know. That's I think he did a pretty good job. Yeah, I personally felt he went a little overboard with the grainy. Like, I don't know. I know he's trying to make it so you don't know what's going on. But at the same time, like, I kind of wish I knew what was going on or at least knew what I was looking at. But that's kind of half the battle. Mm -hmm. Um, But it did give me the sense of when I was a kid, I lived in this house with my parents and it was surrounded by a cow pasture. So there was Mm -hmm. nothing around us. And when it got dark, it got dark. And appearing outside, trees would take forms into creatures and you never really knew what was out there. And it really like cemented my fear of the dark. So the movie does a good job at giving me that sense that I had as I did as I was a kid. Like just I the little flashlight <laughs> jumping around and you're it's not really sure what to look at. That was a I felt that. <laughs> so it did do yes. a really good job at building the atmosphere and making me relive my fear of the dark <laughs> that's exactly what i was thinking i think that was probably going to be something we talk about is like childhood fears um because like you said like the way the grain just sort of takes shapes mm-hmm. and i mean it's just like looking into the dark and you know you hear a sound and you're in bed and you're, you're like still as you know as can be and you're just looking into the dark just seeing whatever <laughs> your brain tricks you into seeing because of the darkness and mm-hmm. Yeah, I think the way it captures that feeling of being home alone. Um, yeah, I can relate to that 100. <laughs> percent uh, Yeah, those are the those are the things I really enjoyed about it. The things I didn't really care for is like if you condense this, I I heard this is actually an extended version of something that he did before that was like a 30 minute little thing and okay. then he he expanded this is movie is an expansion of that but mm-hmm. i was thinking i'm like i kind of wish this was like 30 minutes if you took all like the best parts the best creepy parts and kind of like condensed it down to 30 minutes i would give this all kinds of praise it was the staring at the the corner of a ceiling for like five minutes straight with nothing happening that i was like i don't like to say the word boring we said that a lot. Like, I don't right. like it when people say boring. I just I just need something to sink my teeth in. You need to set up some ect- expectations mm-hmm. so that I know or I can, like, make something up in my head at what I'm about to see next. Um, a really good part that he did this in is one of the kids went into the parents' bedroom and mm. you see the mom or the dad sitting on the edge of the bed, which is fucking terrifying. This yes. is by far the scariest part of this whole movie uh, for me anyway. Mm-hmm. 
and the kid walks over and he's and the dad's like check under the bed yeah that is setting up expectations that is letting my brain go all kinds of wild so when the kid when the camera pans down to look under the bed my brain is going a million miles (laughs) different directions i'm like what am i about to see and even though he doesn't see anything that's the expectation is that it's scaring me into thinking there's something down there. Yes. You know, but when he goes off and just shoots the corner of a, the corner of a ceiling without that expectation, I'm like, okay, what are we doing here? Like, I don't know what I'm supposed to be expecting. And that's kind of what I said. Like it gets to a certain point where he's done that so many times. And it's mm-hmm. like, you've already kind of established the mood, the atmosphere, uh, what are you like? Are you just running out of things to show us? It's like, fuck, I, I guess I got to put a shot of a ceiling here again or another shot of the toys on the ceiling. And it's like, we've already, I don't know. Why are you showing me this again? Like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so this is really like the, the nitpicky things is just like, I wish you would have taken out like half of those shots, maybe. Yeah. Condensed it down a little bit. Um, as far as the story though, the, kids are home alone and their parents got into a car left and the windows and doors start disappearing i think that's what yes. it seems like mm-hmm. and the kids are just crying trying to figure out what's going on while playing these old cartoons that i grew up on by the way oh yeah okay <laughs> nice yeah it's the kind of stuff i watched when i was a kid so it 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 hit a little home to me mm-hmm. because i did watch those cartoons like early in the morning or late at night so <laughs> i know that feeling all too well <clears throat> but uh but yeah and then there's some kind of creature that's like or a demonic voice that's leading them around the house and then i don't really understand the end of the movie i don't think i'm supposed to i think i'm supposed to make up my own little ambiguous but uh what did you gather if anything well, I was also just trying to figure out what exactly was this like a, you know, a sort of dimension that they were put into, mm-hmm. um, like a dreamscape. I mean, I, I think it's probably pretty, I don't know if it makes so much sense to try to put logistics to, you know, why the hell are the doors and windows disappearing? Yeah, yeah. But I mean, all this sort of happens after one of the kids falls and hit his, hits his head, right? Mm-hmm. And that's what I was also trying to figure out, like, because then the dad calls and is talking to probably the mother about how he fell and hit his head and didn't have to go to the ER or anything. Um, And I wonder if that had anything to do with the state of their environment. Like the fact that he hit his head, like, did he actually like really hit his head hard and, you know, die, I guess. And maybe this is some sort of hell afterlife scenario, or is this just like, there's just no, there's just some paranormal entity that's just controlling time and space. I don't know. That's those are my theories on it. I don't know what makes sense or what's actually it. Um, but yeah, like the ending. Um, I don't know. What, what, what confused me a bit was the uh, the title card, the the five hundred seventy two days. Mm-hmm. Which I didn't like. I didn't like that it set it in like um, it. It almost grounded it in like realism. Yeah. And it's like, well, okay. What does that like? I don't. That doesn't make me understand this anymore. 
<laughs> like I would have been just as confused otherwise. Like, but you now you just made it more confusing. Like, how is this? What do you mean five hundred and seventy days? Like, yeah, what you, like what are you telling me? Yeah, like the kid was probably hit his head, probably went into a coma, and this is how much time that passed that he was in a coma, maybe. But I do like that theory because I, it made me think. Like, okay, let's say you're a four or five year old. Mm -hmm. Let's say you hit your head. And you go into a comatose state and you're having these nightmares. What does a four or five year old have nightmares about? And it would be this stuff because I remember yeah. dreams that I had when I was a kid. There's one that stands out a lot that I, I've remembered since I was like four years old. Um, I was, I think I told it on the podcast before, mm -hmm. but I was like in my living room, I heard these monsters in the room and I went to the door and I seen their shadows. And as I was trying to like peek under the door, I couldn't see anything, but I could hear them like making all this ruckus. Mm -hmm. So I went back into the living room and I was terrified. I woke up, but it was really just me having a dream about my parents fighting, like in all retrospect. Uh, sure, sure. But as a four or five year old, like you don't understand that dream. All you know is like the fuck that was scary. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> So I think it's the same thing. Like what would be terrifying as a kid is he's locked in this house and he can't get out. The doors and windows are disappearing and you know, and that actually makes a lot gone. of sense. Yeah. Your parents are gone. Yeah. And I think with like, with me, I remember having a dream. Um, uh, for some reason I did have a fear of like dolls and those sorts <laughs> of things. Um, I remember having one dream in particular. I don't remember the exact specifics, but there was like a, a face of some sort of, you know, doll thing. And the moment like it pops up, my alarm goes off. So it's like almost screaming at me, mm -hmm. but it's just my alarm going off. And I woke up screaming like as I'm like, I was like screaming with the alarm as I'm turning it off. And my <laughs> heart was just like, look, 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 look. <laughs> and so like, I, like the whole, this maybe being like a comatose state makes a little bit of sense. I mean, from my perspective too, because it's like having a fear of things with faces as a young kid, I feel like it's probably common. Mm -hmm. um, things maybe like inanimate, inanimate figures coming alive. I mean, that's a pretty terrifying idea. <laughs> or having an imaginary friend and it's like, what the fuck is that about? Um so the fact that a lot of these things feel like a kid's fears manifesting, mm -hmm. that does kind of, I feel like it adds a bit of that sort of um, theory a bit. Yeah, 100%. I was giggling because I did have a fear of, uh, of puppets. And mm -hmm. I talked about it on the podcast I just did with Nick. Oh, there you go. <laughs> I was giggling. I was like, I just talked about that. Um, <laughs> one... Other nitpick that I kind of had, and I know I'm like really nitpicking right now. Here he goes. But, but the way the kids talk to each other, uh, their age doesn't match their banter. Like, I, I don't think kids that age would have this huge span of space between the things they say. I 100% I understand why he's doing it, though. Like, mm -hmm. you got to build that suspense. You got to build that tension. So you, you space out what's being said, but I just didn't feel it with their age. So that, like I said, it's really just nitpicking at this point, but it just kind of distracted me. Yeah. I think I, I understand that. It almost feels a bit, 
unnecessary for all the gaps. I personally didn't mind it because I think it just added to the suspense and just mm-hmm. the overall. I love the kind of like ASMR speaking of so quiet and so like, be quiet or else the fucking demon is going to hear you. Like, it's just <laughs> like, oh God, just keep it quiet. Um, but I mean, let's be honest. If we were in, in this situation as like a five-year-old, we would not be wandering around the house like in the dark. I would be underneath. I would probably be underneath the covers. Like I would be hiding for <laughs> until the morning or until dad shows up. Like I'm not going out and searching. Right. Yeah. hundred <laughs> percent. But it yeah, is. it's just, just something that I noticed, but yeah, I'm with you. I was like, I'm not just going to sit there and watch cartoons and just wait. I'm going to be hiding in a closet right. in my little space. Every kid who has a space and I would be yeah. there. I was I was also thinking just because of childhood fears. I was thinking of one time when I was left home alone. My brother and I, I think my mom and dad went out to like, I don't know, a dinner, like a date or something. Mm-hmm. And for some reason, my brother and I were just. It was getting late. It was probably like, I don't know, nine o'clock. It was dark out, and we just decided that we were spooked, and that the best option would be to go outside. <laughs> So we're just walking down our neighborhood streets, probably like six years old. Like we're young. Yeah. And we decided just decided to leave the house because that's like less scary. And like I go to like my friend's house because we lived near like a bunch of apartments. And I would like knock on the door and ask if they wanted to go out and play. And it's like nine o'clock. And they're like, oh, sorry, you know, so-and-so's, you know, eating dinner or and my parents pull up down the street as we were just wandering around and they're like what are you doing and we're like "Uh, we're scared (laughs) it's like well why are you outside yeah right don't you don't have it is really funny yeah i was gonna say from a parent's perspective outside is more scary but for a kid they don't know any better right it's they, like, well, uh, this is more open, I guess. I, uh, I don't know. I don't know what the logic was in my brain, but for some reason I was like, this is better. No, I completely get it. Like, it is the innocence of you trusting the world. Like, whatever's in that house, like, fuck that. It's like a haunted house at that point. You're sure. like, I don't want to be here. This is a space that feels uncomfortable. But outside, you're trusting of the world. It's like a, a animal that hasn't been beaten yet. Yeah, no, that's <laughs> fair. You don't know to be scared of people yet, so it it uh, it makes sense. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's also it kind of yeah, I mean it's also that little bit of fear of the dark too. I mean it's dark inside. I don't know, but I think yeah. your logic behind it makes a lot of sense. <laughs> I know. I just think it's adorable that a little kid logic. Although that is another scary, another level of scary for your parents though, like seeing your six year old child oh God, walking around, like what the. F- Get inside. Yeah. You're grounded yeah. forever. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure we scared the hell out of them with that. Um so what else? Is there anything else in this movie that you uh that I haven't touched on yet? Um I mean I think overall it's more of a of a mood than really anything. Um mm-hmm. like like I said, I feel like this would be a, a great one to see in a theater because you're sort of just, you're close to the screen. It's big, it's loud. 
and you're just stuck watching it and being in that environment. It reminds me a bit of like, um, it, it, this, this feels, I know it's probably not going to be as influential as like paranormal activity, mm-hmm. but it feels like it is in a sense, like it feels like it has that power to be like the next thing and like horror. Um, cause paranormal activity was so like, holy shit, this is terrifying. And everyone, I think the hype was like, this is the scariest movie ever. And obviously it's, it's divisive, but it really kind of created a new, not a new genre, but like it changed the landscape in a sense in terms of horror. Um, definitely. And the one before that, the Blair Witch, like I was yes. around for the Blair Witch and it was like a huge phenomenon and people didn't think that that could be captured again. And I think you're right. Paranormal, paranormal activity did do that because even me being someone that's not really into horror, mm-hmm. I ended up putting on paranormal activity just to check out all the hype. I watched the director's cut and it scared the mm. ever living piss oh, yeah. out of me. <laughs> And that movie does a good job of also kind of like giving you that grainy, that grainy view and like, what the fuck is in the shadow? I don't see it. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's why I feel like both of those sort of sort of share that in common. And I'm actually looking at IMDb right now, and they both, well, Skin and Marink, it has an estimated fifteen thousand dollar budget, and yeah, and then same with Paranormal Activity, fifteen thousand. Oh wow, I didn't know that. Um. This is interesting. Opening weekend for Paranormal made seventy seven thousand dollars. Skin and Marink made eight hundred eighteen thousand. Yeah, that's unreal. But yeah, it's it's up there. Like I think right now it's like one point two million dollars. It's it's made so far. And I think that's super cool that people are giving this sort of horror a chance, even if it's not like. I mean, obviously, none of the stuff is going to be everyone's cup of tea, but mm-hmm. I, I love seeing a film that is breaking the mold and yeah. it was purely just like YouTube horror stuff and make mm-hmm. it to like the Regal, like, you know, Regal AMC theaters. I think that's a good thing. I 100% agree with you. Like, even though I may not have loved this film, I love the chances he took with the movie. Like I said, I would rather watch this than any you know, paint by numbers film. Sure. Like I, I want more films to take chances because there are going to be more chances for creativity, you know, like somebody's probably going to get inspired by this and do their own version of skin and And I'll probably love that. But if this didn't exist, I wouldn't see the other version. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, I think overall, I really enjoyed this. I think it kind of, it really the last 10 minutes kind of unnecessary. Like it shows, has some cool imagery mm-hmm. um, like the, the door and like the, the toys on the ceiling and sort of like this tunnel that keeps expanding. I thought that was really cool, but it almost just felt like, like I said earlier, what it like, why are you showing this to me? It's mm-hmm. kind of, you've already kind of showed the stuff already, yeah. but then it gets saved by the last scene. In my opinion, with that horrifying face hidden in the grain. I knew you were going to bring it up. <laughs> yeah. And I have to be honest, I got chills down my spine when that one popped yeah. up. I was like, yeah. oh, there, there it is. Yep. <laughs> have you, have you seen Lake Mungo? Yeah. We talked about it last, uh, oh. last episode. 
Yeah, you were saying like that one really got to you. Well, that also has that same effect of like shitty quality video mm-hmm. adding to horror like this. Like the fact that you can just barely make out a face, kind of like some of the moments in like Mungo. I don't know what it is. It's just like it's like the PS2 horror games like Silent Hill 2 and mm-hmm. Resident Evil. It's like the fact that they're so low detail, it's like uh, so much more creepy and uncanny, <laughs> in my opinion. No, I'd have to completely agree. Oh, I was trying to think, like, there was a movie, there was a horror movie that kept putting things in, like, the the shadows, mm-hmm. and they wouldn't, like, acknowledge it. Like, you would just have to see it, and if you didn't see it, you kind of missed out. But it would creep me the fuck out, because every time I would see it, I was like, ah, there it is. But you can barely make out what it is. Like, it's... <laughs> Yeah, I know the um. What was that show? I know there there was a show that did that haunting haunting uh, of Hill House. Uh, yeah, yes, yes, yes. And that was like that was really effective. A hundred percent. Those were even more obscure because, like, I would point it. Like the wife pointed out a couple of times. She's like, "There's a fucking there's a face in there." Like, what are you talking about? She would pause it. She's like, "Look at that," and I was like, "Holy crap, that's creepy." But apparently, there was like hundreds scattered throughout that whole show. Oh damn. Yeah, it's like every shot had a face somewhere that you either noticed or you didn't. Did you think that this movie was, I'm not sure if you already said already, but did you find it to be scary at all? There were scary moments overall, no, but there were moments that left me, like whenever it did, it would do like a setup. Mm-hmm. Like when it would show the toys like scattering around and then it would like slowly pan up into a doorway. And it's like black and I didn't know what to expect. That stuff freaks me out. I'm like, I don't know what to expect. And I'm, I'm scared. Yeah. I don't like not knowing, but that's, you know, that's the, when it's working on you, but whenever it's like showing different parts of the house Mm -hmm. and I didn't get that preamble, you know, for those shots, I'm kind of just like, okay, let's get this going. That's when I was kind of bored with it. But That's definitely, fair. like I said, if you take those those scare those parts that freaked me out, condense them down a little bit, have a couple of those shots between them, mm-hmm. I I would definitely be a lot more scared of this movie. I just it just lingered a little too long. Yeah, I think uh, I think the one shot that I was the the whole the shot with the the girl's face and it's like mm-hmm. blurred out and it was like a very obvious jump scare. I was a little bit disappointed. I'm like, you didn't need to do that, dude. You didn't need to have yeah. such an obvious jump scare. Come on. I was kind of scared, uh, surprised with the jump scares. Like there mm. were a couple where um, it would flash white and have this loud screeching sound. Yeah. And I was like, really? We're going to do jump scares? That's weird. I didn't it, expect that. It felt weird because the camera setups are so unconventional where it's like, is this supposed to be POV? Is this supposed to be... Like what? It was so confusing that like when they did have those like very conventional jump scares, um, I don't know. It felt like out of place in certain certain ways. Like like you know the TV coming on feels more natural than like ah here's the girl's face blur pop up you know. Um, I don't know. That was just something I kind of was wondering mm-hmm. what you felt. Yeah. Yeah, there were definitely some scary parts. Um, overall scary, no. It freaked me out a little bit, sure. Yeah. Um, I probably won't revisit it. Like, <laughs> mm-hmm. it was a hard watch through the middle part. Yeah. But, you know, I, I, I applaud the effort, though. I really do. 
Um, I don't know if I have anything else to say. Does it transcend? <laughs> you know, I'm going to say yes. I'm going to go with a yes. I think, yeah. I think it, I think it breaks the mold. You know, has this, is this something that's very popular on YouTube? The style, probably yes. I'm not huge on this sort of liminal horror stuff, but I know it exists. But like I said, for this to play in a mainstream theater, mm-hmm. I think that's great. And that in itself is like, I don't know. That's that's awesome. I think it does kind of break the mold. I think it does transcend the the normal horror fair these days. So yes. Yeah, I'm I'm gonna give a weird one. Uh does it transcend for me personally? No. But does mm-hmm. it transcend as a film for other people? Yes, I can't see that happening. So That's it fair. didn't do it didn't do it for me, but I know it does it for a lot of people, and I'm glad it's there for those people like you and anybody else who appreciates this film. I'm glad you guys have it. Yeah. That's so. fair. Um yeah, uh I wish I had more to add. I think I think we covered most. I mean, it's not really that complicated of a film. So no, there's not a whole lot to sink your teeth into. It's more so talking about the the style and the creep factor and stuff like that. There's not much of a story besides your I like the theory on the concussive kid that that checks out for me anyway. Right. It'd be cool if I mean maybe there's more like themes to dive into, but I personally just didn't see anything like deeper. Than like you know childhood fears and yeah this and that but yeah it definitely does a good job at tapping into those childhood fears we had so mm-hmm. good job on that um yeah I mean I wish I had another film to recommend for next time but I'm gonna have to think on that for a bit hey no problem I I like it whenever we uh we just like come across something that's like oh we want to talk about that. Like I was, uh, I got Holy Mountain and I don't know. I don't know, man. I don't know if that's the one. Did you watch it? Yeah. I got about halfway through and I was like, man, this is heavy. This oh, is heavy. do you think it's like a hard to talk about? Cause it's so artsy and weird or. Um, it's just, there's a lot of religious stuff to it mm-hmm. And I'm not a religious person and I don't want to speak down on other people's religion, but it is very artistic and very ambiguous and very like, you have to make your own meaning kind of thing, you Mm. know? And I don't know. We'll see. If I finish it, I'll, I'll see if I want to talk about it. Sure. I mean, if you want film, it's a great film. Yeah. It's a really good film. It's just heavy. (laughs) Well, if you want, we could talk about, uh, fuck. What's the title of it? It's a remake, essentially, of Holy Mountain, but with footage of dogs. Have you heard of this? I have not, but uh, what is it? Uh, let me look this up real quick. I My girlfriend's brother got it for me for Christmas. Um, yeah, it's a remake made entirely out of footage of dogs and like clips of dogs in movies. Have you heard of um, Everything is Terrible? Oh, yeah. So they made it. Oh, okay. It's called Doggy Woggies Poochie Woochies. <laughs> yeah, I looked it up. Tim Allen, what? <laughs> oh, is he going to be the... Sh- is, do they show the shaggy dog in it? 
I don't know. I'm just, oh, I, I pulled up the IMDb. Tim Allen, Jim Belushi, Matthew Broderick, Gary Busey, Chevy J. What is this madness? Oh, so, I haven't watched this. Yeah, maybe we can cover that if the regular Holy Mountain's too much. <laughs> that is fucking hilarious. I didn't know gonna, about this. I I had no idea it existed. I'm like, this is absurd. I love it. Yeah. I don't know whether uh, yeah. or not to watch that first or watch Holy Mountain first. I don't know if watching this first would just ruin it. Yeah, because the Holy Mountain is definitely worth watching. Like 1973 um, artistic art house movie. It's it's worth watching at least once. Definitely. I, I, I believe it. I'm sure watching the dog version would probably make me less interested. So, yeah, probably. But whenever you come across a movie that you want to talk about, just let me know and we'll definitely talk about it. All right. Sounds good. (laughs) All right. Well, until next time, guys. (laughs) Later. Later.